Hello and welcome to another episode of Raise the Bar, the podcast from Next Chapter Ventures. We have a simple mission here, to get female founders funded faster. Hello and welcome to Next Chapter Raise podcast, Raise the Bar. In this special edition podcast, as part of our female funding fair, we're talking to three experts about speaking with conviction to your financial statements and data. Now, experts joining us are Karen C., the founder of Embrace, Sapendu Mukherjee, the founder of 10th Floor, and Georgie McNee, an experienced angel investor and CFO. So welcome, everyone. Could I ask you each to give, you know, just a short introduction of yourself? So, you know, you're all bringing different perspectives to this conversation, which is what's quite exciting about the discussion. So, Karen, if I kick off with you, just a couple of minutes introduction to yourself. Thank you very much, Nicole. I'm a leadership coach. I co-founded Embrace about five years ago, and I came from a very corporate background focusing on public relations and corporate communications. And then I realized that actually what I loved most about my role was actually the networking bit and helping people to be successful. So I moved from helping corporations look successful and then moved towards helping people to be better leaders. And so I'm, I'm very pleased to be on this podcast to be able to support people in their next ventures. Thank you. Georgie. Hi, everyone. Uh, I am an investor, an angel investor, and also a CFO. I do two CFO roles, and they come with support from my many years in London at PwC and also in-house M&A roles in Australia and then another one in London. Okay, fantastic. Welcome. And Supendu. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. Great to meet you, Karen, Nicole, Georgie. My name is Subhendu Mukherjee. I've spent about a good 20, 25 years in advertising and marketing. Then I made a complete pivot to a career in data and analytics. I made some investment in myself, which is I spent about a year becoming a student before I pivoted my career. So I did a digital data strategy program for one year. I was an unemployed student in Sweden in 2012. So that was my investment in myself. Obviously, there's a reason why I want to highlight that to everyone here in this session today. And after that, for the last six years, I've been running uh, the 10th floor, which is a data analytics setup. Uh, We started in Singapore, also in Malaysia. And here we both work with different kinds of clients, multinational clients, local clients in Asia Pacific. We support them with data-driven decisions. And we also do a lot of training. We teach a lot of people on how do you bridge between data and storytelling and essentially converting your convictions and supporting your convictions, the belief you've had in the first place with data and information. So that's a bit about me. Thank you. Okay. Well, great. Thank you, everyone. You know, this is an important topic because when founders meet with investors, there's all this excitement, you, you know, you're talking about your passion and the problem they've identified and how they've come to the solution. I've seen that a lot of pitch events, but many investors, they quickly grasp business models and they want to see founders move to the revenue and the traction numbers around the business, particularly if it's a short pitch session. And so, you know, this allows the investors, you know, gives them the ability to assess whether a business has the right product market fit can gain viable market share and ultimately become repeatable and scalable, which is what investors are looking for. 
So to that end, one of the things we've recognised that Next Chapter raise is founders need to express confidence in both presenting you know, their business financial data, but also how they're dealing with unexpected or difficult questions during their pitch process and talking to investors. On this podcast, I wanted to chat to each of you around how founders can speak with conviction to you know, their financial information and their data with meeting with investors given Georgie is our investor here, you know, let's start from the investor's perspective. What are the most important financial numbers a founder should know when talking to investors? And kind of what gives you a lack of confidence when founders present their financial information? Yeah, so I always think confidence comes from them knowing the numbers or at least knowing the basic numbers of their business. And even if they don't have a financial background, them learning those numbers and understanding those numbers so at least they can communicate them in their pitch and then if they're meeting with investors. So the big ones I would say is revenue. You need to know what your revenue is now and you also need to know what your revenue is in a year time, three years and five years, so your forecast revenue. Uh, Your EBIT or your EBITDA, again, what it is now if you've got any and what it is in the future years and usually points around one year and three year and five years again is really important because investors want to know what's happening next year and then what they think they can get from their money in five years time and then also cash what cash you've got now what cash you need and what cash you're likely to have that you're forecasting in five years time Uh, so if you can talk with conviction on those three points usually you'll be able to answer most financial questions that investors will have in a pitch deck I would always want to show maybe some abbreviated numbers if you're doing a short presentation, but then follow up with a forecast P&L and cash flow at the end in the appendix so that investors can then have a look at your numbers before coming back to you to ask more questions. So if it doesn't fit in the main area of your deck, then definitely putting it towards the end. You know, Sapendu, from the data perspective, what are the different types of data that founders can speak to investors about? So depending on the stage you are in, if you're in really early stage, uh, what essentially investors are looking for, I mean, they realize you're in early stage. They're not expecting you to show a lot of revenue or a lot of followers, a lot of users at this stage. But what they want to see is signs of potential. So if you can bolster your presentation with some sort of traffic growth, show some growth signals, traffic growth, engagement growth, usage growth, Conversation growth, which is what I was talking about, net promoter score. When you're talking about growth of your users and your consumers and your followers, you also talk about the quality of your growth, which is what Karen was talking about a little while ago, which is the essentially retention and not just acquisition. So if you can, for example, look at your analytics, look at your app, look at your social traffic and see how many people, how many consumers you have or users you have who are coming back, who are repeat. It gives your investors the confidence that you are not just getting attention, you're also getting quality of retention. You're getting people coming back, people who are repeat users. That's what they want to see. They want to see how sticky you are in in what you're producing. So those data are not difficult to find. They're not expensive to find. You don't have to spend a lot of time and money to get those kinds of data. But it allows your investors to feel confident that you know what you're doing, you know where your strengths are, and you also understand where your weaknesses are, and you're doing something about that. So these sorts of data points are easy to find. 
if you start off a presentation talking about here is the percentage of growth I've had in traffic. Here are the percentage of people I'm retaining. They don't have to be a lot of people you're retaining, but if you're retaining 30% of your traffic, 30% of your user base, it's worth talking about. So here's what my retention is. Here is what my usage growth is. You start talking about these numbers right at the beginning. You have half the problem solved in your presentation. Yeah, that's fantastic, Spencer. And I like the fact that you said it's not only around identifying those points, but it's also around drawing some conclusions, right? So the investor can see that you've drawn some conclusions around all these engagement numbers, um, net promoter scores and everything, which is really important because it's not just listing the data, but it's helping draw conclusions on that data, particularly if that's projecting some form of growth. Absolutely. That's great. I mean, just, Georgie, coming back, you know, with all of this data that we're talking about, you know, when you hear in, you know, different pitch events you do, and I know you see a number of pitches, I mean, what gives you a lack of confidence or what kind of makes you put up a bit of a red flag when they're presenting their information? So the biggest thing is when they don't present them. So if you don't present your financial numbers, that makes you look inadequate. It looks like you don't know your business well enough. So first of all, you have to present them and then you have to learn about the key things to present. And if you do have numbers in there, you want to have the right numbers. So another thing that leads me to a lack of confidence is when people don't have the right numbers in. So A, they don't have actually the right KPI. So instead of having revenue, they might just have some costs or instead of having cash, they might have some balance sheet items. That would just mix it up and that doesn't give an investor the right numbers that they need to make a good decision. The right content is important. And then also content that looks realistic. So if I see a business plan and it's got a hockey stick growth that just looks completely crazy, so all of a sudden you're saying you're going to have 500 mil of revenue in two years' time and you're just starting the business, that looks unrealistic. You need something that's a gradual growth that you can show that you're proving your product, you're expanding into the market, you're getting your customers on board, you're growing your customer base and revenue flows from those things. As an investor, if you can't see those things, then it just looks completely unrealistic. You might just discount it there and say, I shall move on to a different investment. It's interesting how much we've talked about the preparation you need in terms of you know, pulling whether it's your deck together or that presentation you're doing verbally in front of an audience. I mean, if the founder's up there and, you know, before we go to Karen and chat to her about how do you kind of talk with confidence around presenting, if one of the founders isn't really confident with some of the questions being asked by the investors, I mean, how would you like to see them respond that's, you know, supportive to them or, you know, in a positive way? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing you could attempt to do is take the politician's response, which is answer something slightly similar to what they're asking. So if they ask you what is your revenue yeah. going to be in two years' time and you actually can't remember or you're nervous and you have forgotten, then you can say, well, revenue is going to triple in three years' time or whatever the percentage increase is and try and get away with it that way and then maybe give some more examples about product or what you're going to do to make that happen. So the politician's answer is one way. Or otherwise you can say to them, actually, I've just forgotten, but can I take your business card at the end and can I come back to you? or even a combination of both of those answers, I think would work really well. In the many years that I've seen pitch presentations, there's probably been less than a handful out of hundreds and hundreds that 
if they're rehearsed properly, haven't got just the key questions that an investor needs to know for a pitch. So usually you'd have, if you rehearse properly and people are testing you properly on what the pitch information should be, you'll know the key answers and the key questions you're going to get asked. So you can rehearse then on what revenue is, what EBITDA is, what your cash flow is going to be, what your business looks like in a few years' time, how much growth, uh, as well as all the other things that you're probably more comfortable on product and customers. Preparation is key. I mean, I think across all business perspectives, but when you're talking to investors and you talk about money, it's really important to go in strong, go in, you know, on the ball. Kind of turning to you, Karen, how do founders build confidence presenting this information, especially if they don't come from a financial background? When I'm coaching, one of the first things I talk about with my clients is if you don't believe in yourself, who will? And what I mean by that is you can have all the data points, you can have all the revenue numbers, the EBIT that Georgie talks about. But if you can't stand up and speak confidently about any of that information, then how can you expect someone to invest in you and invest in your company? We also need to realize that when you're stepping into one of these meetings, and we talked about this prior to this call, is the investors out there to want to look at your success. They're not looking to sort of dig into the dirty stuff or trip you over. So you should already be stepping into this room knowing that and understanding that these people want to invest in you. This is the reason why you're in the room. And what Georgie said and what you said, it's all about preparation because if you don't know the financial terminology, then that's actually a cross against you already because you should know that. The other part to it is I think there's two parts to when you step into the room that you need to show up on is one is make sure you've rehearsed and enhanced your presentation skills because it could be, you know, standing up, sitting down. How do you project your voice? How do you pause? How do you demonstrate solutions rather than just addressing the problems that you may have? The other part to it is the storytelling. It's all well and good about the revenue and all of that, but you've really got to grab their attention as you step into the room. What's your personal story? What's the story about the company? Um, and how much time do you have? Is it a two-minute pitch? Is it a 10-minute pitch? Is it a 20-minute pitch? That's all going to change the emphasis of the story. That's true on the time allocated because we have to keep in mind that there are so many different ways to pitch to an investor mm -hmm. Um, and obviously, and whether it's one or it's to a panel, it can be quite daunting. Are you in front of an audience? And I think definitely when you speak to an audience, and if that's one person or a panel, who are those people? Can you find out the information beforehand of, you know, what has Georgie invested in before? Where is her interest? Where is um, the panel's interest? So then you can even adapt your story to ensure that you grab the attention of those people sitting in the room. And I think this is where you develop engagement and connection and also interest. They're speaking to me. You've developed a product. You've launched a company that's speaking to my heart. Yeah, absolutely. We've heard from some other founders that, you know, they might end up pitching somewhere that actually the audience wasn't relevant. You know, you don't want to be wasting your time in that space. How would you suggest founders respond to answers confidently when maybe they have dropped that answer or they can't remember that number or, you know, they've learned the terminology, but someone's thrown out a valuation method, for example, they're not familiar with. And they're like, well, hold up. I don't know that one. Is it relevant? You get thrown. How do you stay on balance through discussions? I think just how I did it then, pause. 
pause and look like, even if you have no idea what the answer is, pause and look like you're thinking about it and then go, I don't have the data on me at the moment. I'm not quite sure. And let me come back to you. It's actually saying what Georgie said, but perhaps again with more conviction. Let me get back to you. Or I've got my CFO to come back to you on it. Mm, yes. <laughs> the team. I've got my finance person to come back to you on it. <laughs> That's a great um, suggestion, actually. That means it looks like you know what you're talking about, but also that you've got a team around you to support you. And that's the key to growing any business, actually, teamwork and having people drop in and drop out at the right time. Yeah. Let's not forget again what Georgie said, which is how many questions do you get that stump you versus how many questions you already know about your business? So let's focus on the positive. There is definitely ways that you can, I don't know if words pivot or, or sidestep a question that may not even be relevant. And you can challenge those people as well. I believe the question you're asking is this one. So let me answer it this way. I believe that the actual answer to this is this. So you can, again, prove that you know your stuff. Investors aren't always asking the right questions, but give them the right answer. That's a great perspective. Yeah, very helpful. Sapendu, one of the things I'm always interested in is when founders are talking to investors about, you know, their business growth plans, we talk about this investment ask, which is how much money they're going to need from the investor to take the business forward. And you see that a large proportion is often allocated to digital marketing or advertising and The fact is a lot of people aren't experts in that area. So how can founders best prepare to ensure that when they're talking about digital marketing spend, they've got it right? So one of the things that we have seen time and again in the digital and the technology space is that you don't necessarily have to rush into advertising and marketing at the start because you need to focus on your user experience. You need to focus on the quality of the user experience that you're delivering. And you need to be very clear about what is the problem you've identified that you're going to solve and what is the market size of that problem. None of these things are very difficult to do in today's connected digital space because there's a lot of data that's out there that can help you answer these questions. So once you establish the fact that you are focused at the early stage, you are focused on delivering a quality experience that has a life of its own. Well, we were talking about it earlier. I brought up the example of Zoom and I was studying into the growth of Zoom. They started around 2013. They focused on building a product that can sell itself. And most of the successful digital and technology space products at first are products that they can, that can sell themselves. You deliver that quality experience. Then you take a step into marketing once you know that you are at least a parity product. At least you're equal to the best people who are in your category and you're equal to the best delivery experience in your category. Only then you start thinking about marketing and advertising and spends and only then you start talking about how much investments you want to make into marketing and advertising. Because by then, you are also very, very clear from the data you have about what is it that people really like about your product? What makes them keep coming back? And you communicate that to the team that's supposed to do the marketing for you. And you tell them, this is the core differentiator I have. This is why people come back to me. And that clarity comes through. 
when you've actually built a product that people are coming back to over and over again, that clarity comes through. And then when you start saying, I want to invest in marketing, I want to invest in advertising, begins to make sense. Because now you've reached a stage where the quality of your fundamental delivery is world-class. That's important, right? Because you're actually making sure that that marketing spend is put to the right use and isn't wasted because the product's in place and ready to go. Absolutely. So when you say that here is where I think I am actually getting great retention, great acquisition, and investing in these places, you are building confidence amongst the investors that you're asking for money for the right reasons at the right time. Yeah, it's nice you say that because taking away from what each of you has said through speaking with that conviction around these areas, weaving a story that ultimately comes back to an investor and go, you know, they've come through that journey with you, even if it's a short pitch, right? Correct. So one interesting way of, and again, I've been reading about Zoom's crazy growth and how they have started with nothing almost. But when they started, they had an interesting way of saying what their fundamental strengths are. Between us, we have 1,000 years of engineering experience. So actually, if you think about it, it's a trick way of answering a very simple question. What's your team all about? And if you aggregate the collective experience of your team, including the team that support you getting from Next Chapter Race, let's say, and you aggregate the experience that you have on board, and you say, okay, here are the 300 years of experience I have on board on getting this done right. Now, again, you're using data, but you're using a certain slice of the data, a view of the data that puts everything about what you're doing into a perspective. That sort of data, that sort of information, that way of telling the information and the story is probably more useful than saying, I want to start investing in advertising and marketing. And if you start demonstrating signals that you really, really care about the product and the consumer experience first, you're more likely to get the investment than if you jump into advertising and marketing. I was thinking about the storytelling bit that we've all all mentioned and the foundation of it is key messages. What are the the top line messages that you need to get out on your two-minute pitch or your 10-minute pitch? And it just flows off your tongue each time. And, And I think it's remembering that you don't necessarily have to be in the room presenting and pitching where you may find your money. So you should be pitching or practicing or telling your story all the time because you never know where your investor could be. So always have key points that you can rattle off wherever you are. So Karen, you know, Sapendu talked a lot about aggregating experience to really show the opportunity and the experience of the team. I mean, how would you see that working in terms of leveraging external resources or experts? I'm a coach, so I definitely believe in constant investment of yourself. So I always say to people that you're a a constant work in progress, which is what Sabendu proved when he went back to school in Sweden, for instance. You can aggregate, you know, Next Chapter Ventures, Nicole, uh, your initiative, I think, is a great way of helping founders or new founders find their way. Coaching helps people find their way or find mentors. Everyone loves talking about their experience. So you shouldn't feel ashamed about going to someone to help about, I need to understand financial terminology, I need to understand legal aspects, all those sorts of things. Someone is out there to help. You just need to ask. Well, thank you all so much for your time today. 
This has been such a valuable discussion to give ideas and support to founders on how to speak to investors with conviction on their financials and their data. Thank you very much for asking me to come along. It's been fun. Yeah, thank you, everyone. It's been really good. Thank you very much for this invitation. I really, really had a good time. Thanks a lot. Now, we appreciate all of your time and sharing today. And we want to thank those who have listened to the podcast. Here at Next Chapter Raise, our goal is to provide a safe and supportive community for women seeking funding. And you can learn more about what we do at www.nextchapterraise.com. Plus, don't miss out on listening to our other podcasts where we feature experienced investors and female entrepreneurs who have built businesses and received funding. Thank you. To connect with Next Chapter, follow us on social, visit the platform at nextchapterraise.com and subscribe to the podcast for more great stories to inspire, empower and celebrate female entrepreneurs.